Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. Hello, Tom. How have you been? I've been great. It's been a, a long time uh, since we've done this. It's been a long summer. <laughs> it, it has. Catch I've, me up. What have you been doing? What have I been doing? In the writing world, um, I wrote a short. It was actually early in the summer. And uh, it's a kind of another like synesthesia. It's kind of like a Black Mirror-esque kind of sci-fi slash maybe a t- tiny bit horror but short you know like a 15 minute short so i'm i was working on that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of working on the game uh, on word cursion we did a big test of uh, the game online and advertising and got we had up to like uh, about three thousand people playing the game at one point Ooh. and that, that was a good test but we need to do some some more uh, development on the game to get more people interested in it so we're going to be working on that going through the fall and uh, I'm trying to find investors. If anyone's interested in investing <laughs> in a a mobile game, uh, I'm I'm looking for. I've actually had conversations with a couple investors. Um, no one's offered to give me, you know, wheelbarrows full of money yet. But we're working on it. Uh, also, uh, I went to the movies a lot this summer. You know, the movie theaters opened up. The the, the movies started playing again. I saw uh, a dozen or more movies in the theater. Uh, more recently, uh, in the wake of Delta, I started going to like Saturday or Sunday matinees when there was like hardly anyone in the theater. Cause I, I wasn't feeling so comfortable going when they, when they started filling up the theaters and they weren't spacing people out. I, I started going um, when no one else was going. You are a brave soul to even go. Yeah. I, I literally would go, I would be like, I'd sit in that front section where no one sits usually. So I'd have like no one within 20 feet of me usually. So like I felt okay then, but I, I had gone to a movie with a friend in the evening after they lifted the minimum, you know, the the, the maximum uh, occupancy limits on the movie theaters. And I was freaked out because there's this guy sitting right next to me. In fact, the guy was sitting in my seat when I got there. Oh. And I had asked him to move. So like, wow, that was like freaking me out. I'm a little germophobic to begin with. And then this whole pandemic made it even worse. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm alive still. So no, no negative repercussions. But yeah, it's it's I think a lot of people are going through this. You know, they were excited to go back to the movies at one point, but now everyone's hesitant again. And uh, we just saw, I think, our fir- our first um, push on a, a a big blockbuster movie just got pushed back to next year uh, from this fall. So you know, they're starting to slip again, depending on the th- the movies. But they're Which still coming. Did you see? Which movies did you see? Oh gosh, I, uh, I saw. Um... You don't have to remember all of them. Just the uh, well, most, uh, from most recent to going back in time, I saw Shang-Chi, Jungle Cruise, The Green Knight, Suicide Squad, Snake Eyes, Old, F, uh, Fast and Furious 9, Black Widow, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, In the Heights, Quiet Place 2, and Wrath of Man. That's the last dozen movies I saw in the theater. Oh, so you saw pretty much all the big blockbusters. I do. I like the blockbusters, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, the only one I didn't like enjoy was was the more artsy one, the Green Knight. That one was that was a little weird. That, it's kind of art, like you know, Arnofsky kind of style of you know 
writing and filmmaking. I've heard, yeah, kind of mixed yeah. and negative on it, unfortunately. I mean, all the other ones are popcorn fun movies, um, pretty much. Um, nothing, you know, you don't have to get into extreme detail on them. But, you know, the, your, your your typical summer movies were great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. That's cool. I think of that entire list, the only one I've seen in the theater is Quiet Place 2. Yeah. Yeah. We saw the first one together. And we remember that. Oh, that was first, so good. We saw the original Quiet Place. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I kept, uh, you know, kept, it's my favorite thing to do. So when I was able to do it, I went and did it and, and going to the movies and uh, I got, you know, get out of my little apartment and get, you know, get so tired of browsing Netflix after a while. And you still have that, uh, I think it's the AMC Stubs, right? Or whatever. Uh, the A-list. Yeah. A-list. I, That's what yeah. you're calling it? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I do, um, but I did. I actually just canceled it. Oh, no. That's um, <laughs> a longer story, but yeah, there's, there's, I, I realize there's only a couple movies coming out, for, you know, in the next few months that I, I really want to see. So, and, and there's other issues going on in my life that I decided uh, to, to take a break from that for now. Yeah. Until, until we're, you know, the, everyone's more comfortable with going to the movies. I can, always, I can always go to the movies and just pay retail. Ooh, but that's a lot of. <laughs> if I really, if I really want to see a movie, it's yeah, one or two movies a month. It's about the same. So what huh. did you do? I know what you did, but <laughs> <laughs> I know what you did last summer. You know, it's so funny. We were actually looking at when our last episode was in May, and I feel like, like this summer was definitely like life changing for me. So the short version is. My mom had a health scare and uh, she spent most of July in the hospital. And then in August, I went back home to Michigan to be her caretaker. And I thought that (laughs) foolishly, I was like, oh, I'll be home 24 seven. You know, I'll have time to, you know, finish some projects. And I had a list of projects. I had some audiobook narration I had to finish. Um, I also have a couple novels that I'm working on as well. And then just, you know, the day-to-day stuff of being an actor and, and being a voiceover uh, narrator. I actually pushed like mad to finish my own audiobook, And oh my word, Tom, it was insane because I recorded it. I, so I went back to Michigan several times before I stayed in August permanently for like a month. And I recorded my audiobook before my first trip back to Michigan. And then I didn't like some of it. Like I just thought the narration was like, I just felt like, oh, I can do better. So I basically re-recorded my entire audiobook, like at least two thirds of it before oh I went back again. So I had these like weeks where it would be like one week just in the studio, you know, hammering it out. And then I'd fly home to Michigan and then I'd come home and I'd like re-record it and edit it and then fly back to Michigan. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, this is so stressful. So Did you run into problems with consistency by doing that, you know, having breaks like that? Um, I think the issue was, and I think any any filmmaker or writer or any sort of creative person probably understands this. When you create something, and I feel like when you create it and then you go back and look at it, you hate every single part of it. Like I, I will go back and look at performances I've done that I didn't even direct or anything. And I'm just like, oh, if I could just redo that one little line or something, you know, because you just, you're your worst critic. And so I think that was the problem was I'm editing it for quality, you know, to make sure that there's no mouth noises or whatever. But because I'm also the performer, I'm like, 
no, I could do that better. And I can't do it on the road because the sound has to be consistent. So because I started it in my booth in Los Angeles, I had to finish it in my booth in Los Angeles. And I actually did an entire, so most audiobooks are 10 hours or so of finished audio, which can easily for me be like up to a week's worth of work once you're done editing and stuff. I did an entire audiobook, so that's 10 plus hours in a remote studio in Michigan. And the setup, oh my word. So my mom is in the process of moving. And so there's no furniture anywhere. So the rooms are very echoey. And I had hauled up the fabric covered ottoman, which was really heavy, into my old bedroom. I had like a pillow and blanket fort. And I didn't have anywhere to sit. So I'm sitting or kneeling on the ground and like, you should see it. In fact, I did this um, voiceover spot for a company in New York and the director was like, she thought it was hilarious because I'm doing the spot like with a tent, a blanket tent over me and like a pillow and blanket fort around me. And I said, hey, hey, if you want to take a picture and show your colleagues at the office, because I know it's funny looking, you know, but imagine doing 10 plus hours of audio yeah. like that. I was like, I'm never doing an audiobook on the road again. It was just way too uncomfortable. And I didn't, because I'm doing the editing myself, I didn't want to like pay for a studio. I was like, I can just do it myself. It sounds fine, but it was, oh, my knees hate me <laughs> after doing that. But that was the only project I was able to to really do, honestly. So you have a backlog of uh, work you've got to catch up on now? Oh, my word. My goal was to get Kingdom Legacy Book 2 out by September. So. This is September that we're uh, recording this, spoiler alert, and it's self-published Fantasy Month. And so I was hoping to launch book two of my fantasy series this month. It's not going to happen because I just... Yeah, you haven't even given it to me to read. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not done with the first draft because my goal was to finish it by midsummer. And then by midsummer, we were in the middle of a family crisis. So, and, and like I said, um, I, I will say I have a lot of respect now for full-time caregivers. I did not... I, I don't know anybody personally who's ever had to do it, um, but it, mad respect because it is a lot. And I can't imagine my my stint was only temporary, but for someone who has to do it full time indefinitely. Wow. A lot of respect. It's a very hard job. Mm -hmm. So that's going to keep you busy for a while here. Oh, yeah. Any other plans going into the fall? Well, I had three books I wanted to write <laughs> by the fall, so I'm hoping to have those three books. Two, luckily, two of them are based off of scripts I've already written, so it's just a matter of transposing uh -huh. it into novel form, so that goes a little quicker. And then I would like to have draft one ready by the end of the year for you to read. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> I love that yeah. voice. That was hilarious. I know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, my word. And then... Um, yeah, it's like best laid plans, right? You know, life gets in the way. I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just easing back into it, seeing what the state of the industry is like, because uh, COVID, everyone's scared about Still, COVID. Yeah. yeah. So, it seems like production has gotten back into full gear, though. It seems like Hollywood really got its handle on, you know, um, compliance and safety and everything so that they can go into production. You still hear about the occasional shutdown of a set somewhere because somebody tested positive, but it's not like it was in the beginning of the summer. And uh, it doesn't seem like, you know, there's, you know, we hear, we hear about filming, we hear about production a lot, you know, yeah. so, it, and there's new things coming out. So it seems like the industry has really kind of, you know, got a handle on this. 
Um, obviously, vaccinations are, um, you know, actually, California is one of the states with the highest vaccination rate. And now, we're actually one of the lowest case rates. So it seems like, you know, Hollywood, at least here in, you know, Southern California is, is a backing business. I don't know about writers rooms as much. I haven't heard anything about that. A lot of that was went virtual. So I think a lot of people, you know, this is just kind of like general, you know, work in general, people went virtual and kind of liked it and got used to it. So they might keep doing it in some respect. I, I don't know. I have, I don't have a lot of people in you know, working in TV that that I can refer to. I mean, what I will say, and to be fair, like my brain, my brain stopped in May and I'm just picking up the pieces now that I'm back in L.A. But it seems like so this is normally what they would call episodic season. And this would be when like people are really for actors, you're really auditioning for those littler roles in TV and film. Um, and this would be the the time when I think writers rooms or well, actually, even two months ago, writers rooms would have been really cranking up. And I feel like with COVID, there's really no seasons anymore. There's no pilot season. There's no episodic season. It's just whenever you can. Is that what you're feeling or not really? Yeah. And I think that's that's an extension of just the streamer world we're in now is that streamers to, to get your monthly subscription fee have to continually produce more stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know Netflix kind of being the leader in that they have I don't know fifty or plus shows in production at any given time movies and and shows and it's just a constant thing so and as all these all the other networks and stuff went to the, their own streaming platforms they've kind of realized this I mean you can you can tell I I belong you know I subscribe to Netflix and I subscribe to Disney Plus these days and I I've subscribed to HBO Max and I you know I, I have a bunch of different ones I go on and off of. You can tell the difference between like a Netflix that is like new shows coming out weekly versus something like an HBO Max or or a, a Disney Plus, which has like one new show at a time or maybe two or three. But because because of how Disney stratified to different audiences, you know, by age and stuff, they they may have a new show coming out, but it's not for everybody. Um, and because of you know the volume that they're coming out with, it's it's kind of a trickle. So I feel like. Um, they're the 24 7 365 day a year production schedule is still kind of catching on on some of the streamers so they're they're definitely not seasonal so they're not like tv and i think it's just the way it's going to be eventually that we're just going to have to see this constant constant churn of of content or people won't stay on you know they'll subscribe just like hbo people would subscribe for game of thrones for two or three months and then cancel and then they wait a year or two until the next season came out. You can't you can't run a business on that. Right? But wait a minute, though. Um, isn't Disney kind of doing their releases like a TV broadcast release where it's like every week is a new episode? They or are. Or was that just for Mandalorian? Uh, no, no. They are for most of their shows. They're doing weekly releases. Yeah, because like one thing I think with the it's funny, actually, I was just watching um, a a comedy spoof on how Netflix never says no to to anything. But I think part of that is because Netflix's model is the binge watching model. You know, they put everything mm-hmm. out. Here's our all six episodes. Here's all 10 episodes in one sitting. Whereas Disney keeps you coming back or even like HBO because they do it weekly, like the old TV model. Right. Netflix has a, a, a mass production model. It's like, we're going to make a whole series and we're going to make a whole bunch of them. So they got the stack of series 
and then they can schedule to release them whenever they want. And then when they dump them, they know they're going to get people watching eight, 10, 12 episodes, you know, mm-hmm. binge watching it. Uh, and then the, uh, on the other side of that is, is right. Is the seasonal kind of one at a time thing to kind of string you along. So those are two different, two different models, you know, for streaming, but um, yeah, Disney definitely has like uh, right now the what if series is out. Uh, the Marvel series is doing episodes weekly. Uh, the new uh, Doogie Hauser, I can't pronounce the Hawaiian name. Oh, did that already come out? It, it's yeah, the second episode dropped this oh, week. Oh wow, okay. As of taping, um, and it's cute. It's a cute show. Uh, it's you know typical you know, kind of Disney broadcast family network TV kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are all kind of weekly shows, so you have to kind of check back in. Um, you know, it's still though in the streaming world. Like if you sign up for a streaming service, you instantly have access to all the episodes of shows that have done their run. So it's not, you know, it's it's only the new shows where you have to wait week by week by week. You still have that back catalog you can always access. Unlike old old style TV where you had to wait for the reruns to come around to mi- catch the episodes you missed. Remember that? Yeah. Like if you yeah. missed an episode, it's like, oh, I could, uh, what am I going to do now? I missed one episode. So you can either skip that episode and watch the next one and hope you didn't miss too much or you can you have to wait until the whole season runs and then pick it up okay oh the reruns are happening in the summer and you can pick up where you missed up missed your episodes that's a whole thing that i think has gone away too do you remember that do you, do you remember okay it kind of reminds me of have you ever seen the movie you've got mail yeah of course yeah okay so do you remember oh i can't remember his name but um meg ryan's spoiler alert the guy who becomes her ex-boyfriend uh greg kinnear right Oh, okay, and, yeah. And he's on the talk show. Uh, I forget the lady that who's the character's name. But they're talking about the VCR. Do you remember this this scene? No, I got it so long ago. Oh, okay. So he's talking. They're, they kind of veer off. They're supposed to be talking about politics or whatever. And then he talks about the VCR. And he says the line is something along the lines of, the VCR is there so you can take, uh, so you can tape what you miss when you're out and about, but the whole point of uh, missing TV is that you're out and about. It's something like that. Watch the scene. It's, he says it more eloquently, but it's basically like, why did we invent this thing? Because the whole point is that you're missing TV, you know, but (laughs) then you have this thing. So you don't miss TV. And that's what, just what reminded me of when you were talking about the streamers, because it's true, you know, and I don't know about you. There's so much content that honestly, if I miss it, I kind of don't care. Like we were, when we were at home, we started watching Gilmore Girls. I never watched Gilmore Girls in its first run. And we started watching like season one. And I'm like, oh, this is great. But I'm like, I never watched it in the first run. I don't really need to watch it again yeah. and rerun because I missed it the first time. You know, I don't care. Right. The psychology of it is very different. A lot of streaming shows are serialized. It's not typical, you know, um, like sitcoms on on uh, on broadcast, you know, which are, you know, you can watch any episode in any order and it usually doesn't matter. Uh, you know, most, I think most uh, streaming shows are serialized. So you kind of have to watch them in order season mm-hmm. by season to keep up with the story and, and how it's going. Um, that's not true on everything, but I feel like, I feel like a lot of it is. So the, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> I was going to say now that would be, I don't know if anyone's ever done a psychological survey on the thought of, is it good to have that much content? Like, do people actually watch it all or do they care or are they just like, whatever? Because even if you have that much content, then the advertising comes in. No one's going to watch, you know, 
Joe Schmo's show if they don't know about it, even if it is on Netflix. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Be- right. But but if you put a lot of money behind like, oh, the latest season of The Crown, then people are like, oh, yeah, I got to watch that because I've heard so much about it. So, mm-hmm. again, you go kind of go back into classic broadcast, you know, mm-hmm. tactics and stuff. I don't know. I feel like there's a, a, a lack of um, uh, kind of, I don't want to say impetus or a lack of uh, urgency in watching streaming uh, shows on streaming platforms. Cause like I watched, the, I think the first season of Lucifer, which is now I think going on season five or six mm-hmm. and I liked it, but I didn't like love it. And, and, and I know it's there. So if I ever want to go back and watch it, I can, but I don't feel like, you know, um, when you're doing episode by episode, week by week, it's kind of like, you know, event TV where you have to tune in or, you know, or like, in, in this case with with streamers, it's like I'm checking to see like, what what day does the new episode of of uh, of what if come out on Mar- for Marvel on Disney Plus? So it's it's kind of like, you know, there's that anticipation like I, I want to I can't wait to see the next episode. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you have like, you know, oh, there's 40 episodes. I haven't watched it. It's kind of like, oh, it's almost like a chore. Like, am I going to yeah. really get into this and keep it going? Yeah. That's how I am about book series. Although you also have to wonder, is it a generational thing? Because we're of that generation where we remember TV coming out once a week and you had to know when it was coming. So you didn't miss it. But mm-hmm. people who grew up with streaming are probably just like used to that. Yeah. Well, I haven't I haven't watched a broadcast show in ages. Um, I, I got rid of Hulu a few months back, um, which was pretty much where I watched most of the broadcast shows um, from every most of the networks were on Hulu. So, um, you know, now that the I don't know, I guess the fall season started at some point. I have no idea what's on or what's coming, you know, so I, and I don't care because I've got so much other stuff to watch already. I don't even know how to watch a broadcast yeah. show anymore. Like, I don't even know how would I find it on the smart TV. <laughs> to kind of bring this back to, you know, the industry is, you know, writers, you know, part of uh, the Writers Guild, you know, question, you know, issues with the industry recently was how do you staff writers on shows that don't have a set schedule? Because you know, they overlap, they run at different periods, they have different lengths. So it's, I think it's getting even messier in that respect. So how do you, how do you pay a writer and how do you staff a writer for a show that runs, you know, 12 episodes this year, but not again for another three years? And how do you staff them when you have to have them write the episodes now? And then there's another show starting in, you know, a month and they can't start on that show, but they're going to be, you know, the, the overlapping of, of seasons and, and writer's rooms. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I feel like things are probably a little chaotic. Maybe maybe the people on the inside know better. We should probably get a, you know, a manager or something on who knows more about uh, what writers are going through on the on the industry side like that. Be a good topic to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I wonder yeah. if a lot of it, too, is just wait until the pandemic sort of. I mean, I don't think it'll ever really go away, but just kind of dies down and is more manageable day to day. Because I think that affects a lot of it, too. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. I, uh, uh, one of the things I did this summer was audition for a game show. <laughs> oh, yeah. How did that go? Have you heard back yet? Uh, not yet. They're supposed, to, they're supposed to be filming in September and October, and I have not heard back. I don't want to talk about what show it's for. Oh, no, but, of course. But, um, yeah, it was exciting. It was fun. Um, I had a, a Zoom like, test where I was on with a producer, and they, we, did, uh, we went back and forth in like, the, the, the questions and things to see if I could play the game sort of. And then they had a live boot camp, um, socially distanced, masked, um, and you had to be vaccinated. 
and do a, like a, a health check before you went um, to the studio, mm-hmm. uh, the offices of the studio where they did this, this boot camp. And they had probably about 25 potential contestants there. And they literally showed us how to play the game. They told us, don't do this. These are the, these are the mistakes you're going to make because they want you to win. Technically, they, they think the show is more exciting if people actually win. Yeah. And uh, it was really helpful. It was really good. So if I do get on the show, I think I'll do well. But I'm waiting to hear, um, and hopefully soon, uh, that I'll be on that show. And who knows? Like I said, with COVID, maybe things got pushed back. Or... Well, it's possible. That's very possible. Yeah. Um, uh, they have not sent any news to that effect. They did a season last year that was all virtual, where it was all done through you know Zoom-like kind of you know setup, where all the contestants and the guest stars were in, in you know, virtual locations. Mm, okay. But uh, this is supposed to be a live in-person taping uh, with or without an audience. I don't know yet. Uh, but that's interesting. Speaking of Zoom, this has nothing to do with industry. Maybe it does, actually. I think it's hilarious. Like, remember in the beginning of the pandemic and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, we'll never see humans again. And everyone kept their cameras on. Now, when I go on any Zoom meeting, like everyone keeps their cameras off. I think it's funny. Yeah, well, there was a lot of science that came out about that where uh, being in a regular meeting versus being in a Zoom meeting was were, were psychologically very different. When you're in a mm-hmm. Zoom meeting, you're very conscious, especially if you keep your own video up. I usually turn off the watch self video if I'm going to leave my camera on because I don't want to see what I'm doing. And it's eye contact is incredibly hard to keep. But when you're when you're in a room with other people, you know, you can look at your notepad, you can scribble and people, you, you know, you're listening and, you know, you can look up and down. But when you're on a Zoom meal, people really expect you to like kind of look at the camera the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be very stressful. Oh, yeah. And even for someone like me, who is usually in front of a camera, I find <laughs> it stressful. <laughs> well, it's, I find it funny because I have a very big screen because I have an iMac, a big 27 inch iMac. Oh, and if right. I have like, you know, a bunch of people up in the little boxes and I'm looking at the person talking. I'm not looking at the camera. So if the mm-hmm. person's looking at me and looking at them, it looks like I'm not looking at them because I'm looking to the, to the side because the screen's so big. So it's, I, feel, I feel like it's very awkward. Like, I think everybody does that, though, because I'll usually look at the speaker and not the camera as well. But the speaker's uh-huh. never like in the middle. They're off to the side somewhere. Right. But yeah. And then if you want to look at yourself to see what you look like and you look at yourself, then you're not looking at the camera. So you look funny. It's 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 kind of com- comical, really. It's it's <laughs> it's almost like the whole trying to catch the refrigerator light on, you know, when you're closing the door. It, mm-hmm. So you like look at yourself, look at the camera, look at yourself, look at the camera, and it's kind of goofy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, I I don't like cameras. I don't like being on camera, actually, which is ironic. I feel like after the pandemic settles, everyone's gonna hate being on camera, no matter what they do. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of of being on camera or slash not on camera. Um, other thing I did this summer is I, I started streaming recently about, about oh, a month yeah. ago. Yeah. I started streaming on Twitch. Um, I got big into gaming during the pandemic cause I had time and I'm always looking for a reason to avoid doing work or writing. So I got into streaming. Uh, uh, I, but I didn't want to be on camera. I, I didn't want to, I, I feel like again, self-conscious about that. So I had a little avatar, um, an artist do an avatar of my, uh, for me. It's a, a bear. So I, I stream as a, a, a laughing, angry, screaming bear. It's a cool animation. You've seen you know, it, and yeah. as somebody who watches a lot of streamers, I like it when, I mean, 
I get it if you don't want to go on camera or if you don't have the setup to go on camera, but I do like it when I can see the streamer's face. Sure. Or like in your yeah. case, you have at least something interactive. Right. Like they call them the faceless streamers are the ones who just have nothing. And that's just like watching, you know, video game play and you hear the person talking, but it's a little disconnected. So I felt like doing the avatar, uh, you know, the animated avatar um, was kind of a yeah. step in the right direction. And I would go eventually go to, you know, there's the call, there's like, this is like a 2D tuber. There's a 3D tuber where you have like the 3D character and it, you have motion tracking and everything. Uh, and they get really elaborate. Um, and those are pretty impressive, but they're a little mm -hmm. more, they're more expensive. And I don't have the setup for, for doing that at the moment, or at least I don't, I guess I could do it, but. So are you like running, like, are you, <laughs> for lack of a better, are you like pressing buttons to make the animation go while you're streaming or how does uh, it the, operate? I, yes and no. There's a couple of different things. Um, since it's a, there's an app called a video tube mini. I can't know how you say it, but it's a, it lets you take uh, static images and animate them um, and, and have them react to things. So oh, it has, okay. it reacts to my microphone. So when I'm talking character opens and closes its mouth. And then I have keyboards, hot hot keys I've set up for different expressions. So happy, sad, angry, you know, surprised. So I had all those pieces, all the art done for the the character with those different expressions. So I can animate them all and automate them all just with a keystroke. Okay. So like when I'm mad at the game, I can hit the angry bear, I you know, rage bear button, and he goes all rawr. And it's animated so that when when I'm when I'm talking. Like his arms go up and his mouth opens. So you have multiple animations. His eyes change. You have different states. So it's it's an interesting oh. way to, I guess you could say, perform. Yeah. And, you know, and you can generate content because I kind of play this character of this bear. It's, it's weird because I'm not used to doing, you know, the acting side of things. So I'm trying to be the bear, but then I'm not the bear. I, I'm having an identity crisis. Be the bear. Be the bear. Be the bear. <laughs> the bear. Yes, it's very hard it's, to play video games with cool, paws. Yeah, it's very cool to watch, though. I like mm -hmm. it. So. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. You know, I I did it a lot because I got into the gaming world because of my game, the Word Cursion game that I made. Because mm -hmm. I figured I should get into that universe and see how you know how people react, and I can you know I actually can talk about my game to people you know that are. Um, in my in my uh stream um i always i always mention it hey yeah i also made a game if you're interested so it's kind of marketing yeah oh i guess speaking of marketing i did an interview with a lovely podcast i'm not sure i can say the name on here because technically there's a swear word in their name so we'll put the we'll put the link in the show notes it's two book bees we'll say that um uh, just so okay. i don't have to put a, a rating on this but they were lovely they were just absolutely wonderful people to chat with i believe the interview's live. I learned a lot about book promo this summer, even though I didn't have a lot of time to do book promo. Just it's so much longer than film promo. Mm hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, the window that books come out in is, is different, obviously. Yeah. 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 And when you're doing a series like you are, you know, you're never stop promoting the series or the first book, you know, even though your second book's coming out that's your chance to get people to read the first book if they haven't as well. Mm -hmm. So I did a podcast. I did uh, our friend, Sam Gash's ideal remake. I did that. Uh, the one we did before um, I did, uh, I did again, uh, solo this time we did uh, the abyss. We remade the abyss. Oh, uh, James Cameron's sci-fi. 
Oh God, you Remember? can listen to the episode. Oh, I, okay. I, yeah, Ideal Remake is the podcast. It's a fun. It, they they talk about movies that have been, will be, or should be remade. So it's a fun podcast. We had a really good time. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so very I guess cool. We had busy summers. We did. We did a lot. I'm surprised that the summer went this fast. To be honest, I think a lot of people do. It's I think yeah. time has taken on a different uh, a different uh, texture in this pandemic. Um, at times, yeah, I just can't believe week by week goes by and we're in the fall. But now here we are in the fall and ready to talk uh, more writing. We'll talk to you guys in two weeks. <laughs>